guys. Give yourselves a hand for worshiping today. Yes. Hallelujah. Give it up for the band. It's nice having live music in the house. Are you sure? I like yelling. So sure you All right, all right. It is good to be back. We were gone way too long, man. Like, camp was amazing. We had a great move of God, but we got to get back to having our services again. All right, all right. So today, I, I, I hope you guys all remember camp. Like, I wore this shirt today because I wanted to remind us of how good it was at camp. And if you missed camp, guys, like, I, I'm, I'm really, from the bottom of my heart, I feel bad because you missed a great time. You guys are going to be good back there? All right. I am counting on it. All right, all right. But yeah, camp was awesome. We got a lot of cool stuff coming up. We got a lock-in coming up. We got a back-to-school party. We've got some really cool stuff ahead for us. But today, I'm going to talk to you guys for just a second from the Word of God. So Brian, if you want to kick off those slides for me, give it up for Brian in the media booth. Yes. While well, you guys get to sit down and relax and enjoy the service, he works the whole time. And it's hard, especially when I'm jumping from slides and not going in order like I'm supposed to. <laughs> but today, we're going to talk about stronger together. Does anybody understand that statement? Does that mean anything to anybody? Has anybody ever experienced something that we were stronger when we did it together than when you had to do it all alone? Does anybody remember the tug of war at camp? Yeah, stronger together. Like there was, there's a lot of times that we've seen where in our tribe wars where we had to come together, we had to work as a team. Like there was times when we were jogging for two miles with a cake that some of us got left behind. <laughs> and we had, to, we had to come alongside our brother and we had to put our arm on him and keep him up to speed so that our group could win the relay race, which by the way, the Green Gators won it. Woo! Come on, Green Gators. Where are my Gators at? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. Red Raptors won it all. I, get, I got it. Give them their, good, their due. Good job, Raptors. But I was excited. We won the relay race. That was pretty complicated. But uh, Blue would have, if they would have decided to drop their cake on the ground and then try to eat sticks and rocks out of it. <laughs> Right, but they did it stronger together. Thank you, Candace. They made us stronger together. But all of the games and all the fun and all that was amazing, but there was something else that we experienced that was stronger when we did it together. And there was something about being in a room with 160 kids who are on fire for God, worshiping God the way he deserves that really made the worship services there something different. Is anybody, can anybody testify to that? Did anybody realize the difference in the services that we were having there? Tonight I want to talk about why that took place, why that was so powerful, and how we can experience that every week right here in our own legacy room. So we're going to talk about being stronger together. Let's go to the first scripture. Acts 2. One through four. If you've been around this church for any period of time, you've probably heard this a thousand times. We quote this a lot because this is a scripture 
that we stand on in our, in our church and in our walk with God. Because this is a very important scripture, guys. God wrapped himself in flesh, came to earth as a human to show us how to live, and then he died, and he went back up into heaven, and everybody was kind of standing around like, well, what's going on now? Like, what, do, what do we do now? Like, we thought the king was here. We thought we were going to live happy the rest of our lives, but that hasn't taken place yet. So what are we doing? And Jesus told them that he wanted them to wait in Jerusalem. And he told them to come together, to gather together, and to be strong, and to wait for the promise that God promised his people. And this is where that promise comes true in our history books, in the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, it says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. How many places? One. one. They were all meeting together in this one place with one accord, it says in the King James. In here it says one place, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. It was something about being at camp that you couldn't see anything different in the room. It didn't look like there was anything had changed. It looked like the same room that we walked into in the morning. It was the same room. But all of a sudden, you could feel something different in there, like a windstorm. That's why Acts describes it as a windstorm. You can't really see what's going on here, but I feel something. I've got goose pimples standing up on my arms. Like I can feel God coming in the room, and I don't understand it because it's like the wind. Nothing really changed in the room. I didn't see anything different, but I felt just like we feel the wind when we're outside, that there's something different in this atmosphere because there was a group that was gathered together in one mind and one accord who came to one place with one purpose just to be in the presence of the king. And our Bible tells us that when we knock, the door is open to us. When we walk towards God, he moves towards us. So when we gather in a room expecting to feel his presence, he has to show up and let us feel his presence. It would be contrary to his character if we all came here tonight wanting to feel God's presence and he didn't show up. So even when we're not faithful, we don't show up, God shows up. He's always waiting for us to be in his presence. So that's what they did here. They were in one place. And the windstorm came and it filled the house where they were setting. Next slide. And in verse 3, then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. Now, they're not talking about, like, this isn't imaginary. This wasn't written by a guy who, you know, had schizophrenia and was seeing things that weren't there. Like, this, this really took place because it was, it was, a, big, it was a big time in history. Like at this point, no one had been filled with the Holy Ghost. It hadn't been released on the earth. So it was released in a mighty way. So we may not see fire come in the room every time, but this was for a reason. This was God wanting to make a, a, a very big explanation point that this is where everything changed. This is where you didn't have to wonder whether or not you were good enough anymore. You didn't have to think, maybe I'm going to make it to heaven one day. You didn't have to have a list of rules and hope that you could achieve all of that. Because on Pentecost, we were given a promise. 
This is where it was. This is where it was all laid out with wind and fire to show us this, that this isn't just something small, but this is miraculous. This is big. And from now on, you're going to have a promise. You're not going to wonder. You're going to know that you're saved. And it says that the tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit had given them this ability. All of these wonderful things, windstorm, fire coming in the room, people speaking in languages they don't understand, God filling them with their Holy Spirit, giving them this promise. All of this took place because they came together in one room with one purpose and with one mindset. And after this all happened, everybody in town's like looking like what is going on? They thought they were drunk. It seemed like there was a couple kids that looked a little drunk at our uh, priest rallies. <laughs> but there's, there's, there's a spiritualness where you get to where you look and appear and act drunk. And that's what they did in the book of Acts. And everybody in the town's going crazy. Like, these people are all crazy. They're drunk. They're nuts. And Peter gets up and he gives us our sermon in Acts 2.38 where he tries to explain to them what they just seen take place. And he tells them, look, this is from God. These people are drunk. <laughs> they haven't been drinking. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. What kind of people do that? Lunatics. I've met a few. They're crazy. But <laughs> most people do not. And they weren't. They were, they were meeting in one place the way Christ had told them that they needed to, to get this miraculous outpouring. So Peter's explaining it to them, and he tells them, this is what was promised, guys. This is what was coming. This is what Jesus told us. And then in Acts 2.38, he gives them this famous sermon. Do you want to throw it up there for everybody to read with me? He says, while his words pierced their hearts. So just like sometimes when we were at camp and they'd say, they were up there talking, all of a sudden it was like, man, it was like they were talking to me. Like I needed to hear that. That's what happened in this moment. And it pierced their hearts. And they said to him and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall, what should we do? And I feel like this is very important for our group today because some of us have been raised in church, even though we still have not act <laughs> like me. <laughs> and some of us, this is our first time, and some of us have never experienced that before. Some of us went to camp, we didn't even know what to expect. And then we found ourselves in this place where God's moving in this mighty way and we can feel this wind and I don't know where or what to do. And this is exactly who Peter was talking to here because they're like, look, okay, okay, God's real. I feel it. Like it's, it's pricked me in my heart. Like I, like he's, he's, he's made me, he's made a move in me. So I know he's real, but what do I do? I'm in this room. It's filled with wind. I can feel God's presence. I can see the fire. I can hear these people speaking in tongues. But how do I be a part of that? How do I buy into that? And this is where Peter tells him the most important thing that anybody who wants to be a part of this kingdom needs to hear. He tells them, brothers, each of you must repent from your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Now, that's... Well, we got to experience at camp. We got to see six people get baptized in the wonderful name of Jesus, just like Peter here was talking about. Yeah, let's give it up for him. Amen. Because it's big. 
It was for the forgiveness of all of their sins. All the sins that every time you've done something wrong, it was to wash all that away and make it to where you could stand right before God so that you could have that personal relationship so you can feel the wind and feel the fire and speak in tongues so you could have this experience is what, is what he told them here. But this is what Peter instructed them. So if, I'm, if, I've never, if I don't know any of this, I've never been in this atmosphere, I've never experienced all this before, what do I got to do to be a part of it? And this is what he tells them. Repent from your sins and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Repenting from your sins. Let's talk about that for a second. Repenting from your sins is acknowledging in your heart what is wrong, that, that, what is sin, in, in this world, acknowledging in your heart, asking God for forgiveness and turning to God to take the sin out of your life. Okay, is that, that's, that, is that a good explanation for repentance? Anybody else want to further on that? You know what it's not? It's not just saying I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yes. You turn your way. Right. Exactly. And and that's a that's a big thing. And that doesn't mean that I just suddenly am Jesus Christ and can stop all sin in my life. It's not necessarily what it means. What it means is in your heart and in your mind, you acknowledge what's wrong and then you turn to God to take that out of your life. That's what real repentance is. Sometimes the devil gets people tricked into believing that repentance is being sin free and living sin free and not having any sin in your life. Technically, that's not repentance because nobody can do that. And Jesus told us we could repent, so he wouldn't tell us to do something we couldn't do. So he knew that we're all going to have sin in our life, but repentance is acknowledging what that sin is and turning away from it in your heart. So there are times in my life that I've been repentant over things that I was still doing, but I was still repentant over it. Like I was like, God, I really don't want to, I'm trying to think of something funny here. <laughs> and I always say kick a dog at this point, and it's, it's not good. Yeah, God, I don't want to eat all these cookies, but here I am still eating all of the cookies. But God, it feels bad that I'm eating these cookies. As long as my mindset is, I don't want to do this, and my mindset is, God, please help me from stop eating these cookies, I'm living in a repented lifestyle. Now, the minute I start thinking it's okay and the cookies are fine and I can eat 10,000 of them and nothing else matters, then I'm no longer living a life of repentance. So that's important because the enemy likes to trick us, make us believe that because we have sin in our life, we're not really repentant. And that's not the case. We should have a heart that's turned towards God and against the world and against sin. So repentance is something we've done, we do we've experienced and baptism was something that we got to see and experience at camp somebody going under the water in the name of jesus christ now i stopped this slide this way for a reason because peter tells us three things that are going to take place in this road of salvation but i want to make it very clear that these two things are what he tells everybody they must do he, he, he tells them, you have to repent from your sins. 
You have to be baptized. These are the things that you have to make that choice to do. God's not going to force you into a relationship with them. You've got to choose to do that. But then he tells us something wonderful that took place in the beginning of the book of Acts that will happen once you've made the choice to do these other two. So let's take a look at the next slide. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For this promise is unto you and to your children and to all who those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. So I just wanted to point that out because there were some people who repented at camp. And there were some people who made a choice to get baptized at camp. And they may be thinking to themselves, well, I didn't speak in tongues yet and I didn't feel this power. But that's the promise that will come. What you did was make the right decision to be where God wants you to be. He wants us to repent and to be baptized. But there were some there that I saw, the Bible says, with shaken lips and a stammering tongue, that we've received the gift of the Holy Ghost. So there were some that I seen there that might have realized some things were going on. Like, I don't understand this language coming out of my mouth. I don't understand why I feel the way I feel. So I thought we'd take a second talk about what the Holy Ghost is really all about. Because we hear a lot about the Holy Ghost. And if you haven't been around some Pentecostal churches in a while, you're probably like, what is this guy talking about? <laughs> what is a Holy Ghost? So I'm going to try and put it in basic form, as simple as I possibly can, explain something that's so heavenly and majestic that I fully can never understand it. But what the Holy Ghost really is, is God imparting his spirit into you so he can partner with you to make you more like him every day. That's what the Holy Spirit really is. And this is not something you have to get. It's not something you have to strive for. It's not something you have to earn. It's a gift. It's something God gives you willingly. It's something he wants you to have, something he wants to put in you. But... There's a process to receiving this gift. What the Holy Ghost, again, in simplest form, so I'm sure there are some brilliant Bible scholars that could <laughs> word this a thousand times better than me, but I'm talking to the youth and I'm talking to you guys and you guys understand me. So I'm going to put it pretty simple. But what the Holy Ghost is, when you're praying to God and you start to reach a point in prayer where it almost feels like you're losing consciousness because you're so focused on God, that a lot of times at that point is where God will fill you with his Holy Spirit. And what will take place, if you're speaking, you will begin to speak something that doesn't make sense, doesn't sound correct. It's not an actual language. It's babble. It's just, it's a heavenly language. It is. And it's God, Spirit, speaking through your body. So that's what takes place. And it doesn't always take place like a full-blown language. Has anybody ever heard a baby talk? Like a baby doesn't start off like, hey, mom, go to the store, pick me up, uh, you know, some Kool-Aid and a Snickers bar and bring it home. Like a baby doesn't talk that way. A baby starts off with mumble jumble and maybe a few couple of syllables. And usually it's mom or dad. It's like one word that the baby will say. And that's a lot of times what it's like when someone receives the Holy Spirit. But more importantly than seeing this sign of speaking in tongues, because I don't know if you were at camp. But I couldn't have heard if anybody was speaking in tongues. It was too loud and crazy for me to, to really see what was going on. 
But there's more fruit than just speaking in tongues. And it's seeing your life changed. Anybody I've ever seen that received the gift of the Holy Ghost never felt the same the next day. Like it changes who you are. It's God partnering with you. Things that you thought were okay suddenly don't feel okay no more. Things that you used to not care about suddenly are very important in your life. You might not have prayed as much as you used to, but all of a sudden, since you had that encounter with God, you can't stop talking to him. These are some of the things that take place after you've been baptized and you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, baptism. Yeah, baptism has a similar effect. Is anybody, you guys in the, you guys all, almost all my back row here? <laughs> yeah, you guys were baptized this week. It felt different. There's something about it that feels different. Like it's a change in your commitment. I remember when Saul got baptized a few years back. He, I, I see the change in his behavior as his dad. I'm like, wow, I'm not yelling at him as much. Like, but the Holy Ghost has a way of changing people's lives. Yeah, for all you guys to think like. I was twice as crazy as Saul. So <laughs> you guys have seen how much the Holy Spirit has changed my life and how much he changes people's lives around us. But the Holy Ghost is a promise. It's a promise that you're never going to be lost again. When I realized I had so many people in my life growing up that told me I wasn't right with God, that told me that I didn't hear from God and told me that I wasn't going to even make it to heaven. I wasn't going to be a good Christian. I wasn't a good person. I had so many people tell me that in my life. And it wasn't until I understood the fact that the Holy Ghost is a guarantee of my salvation. It, it, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about me. If God says that's my child and I'm going to fill him with my spirit, then it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about you. It's the same thing. I'm not here to judge your guys' salvation. I'm not here to tell you if you're going to make it to heaven or not. I don't know. I ain't the judge. I'm here to help you every step of the way. I'm here to give you every tool that I've found, everything I've read in the Bible that I think will help your life. I'm here to help remind you and get you there. But when you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, ain't nobody needs to tell you you're safe. You're safe. God just put a seal of approval on your life, and it comes with some benefits. So we're going to read in Hebrews 10 about some of these benefits that come through being filled with the Holy Spirit and having it work on your behalf. So if you want to throw, yep, yeah, verse 19, we're going to kick it off. It says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. <clears throat> Not because you're filled with the Holy Ghost. That's a different promise. But because you've been baptized in the blood of Jesus, you have permission to enter into the holiest of holies. Now, in the Old Testament, the holiest of holies, there was a room that there was a big curtain that divided and there was one room that only the priest was allowed to enter. So if we were living in the Old Testament covenant, it would be like there would be a big curtain right here in front of this stage and I would be the only one that would be allowed to go back here because I'm the pastor. I'm the special man. And all you guys wouldn't be allowed to have that, that reaction in God's holiest of holy place. But Jesus didn't like that plan too much. He was like, this ain't really going to work out. Seems that I died for everyone. Right. So being baptized gives you the right to walk into the holiest of holies. It gives you the right for God to speak directly into your life. He, you, he doesn't have to come through me because you're his child and you're filled with the spirit. So we, here we can enter into the holiest of holies. By his death, Jesus opened a new way, a life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy of holies. If you guys were at camp, you remembered him talking about being on holy ground. 
and taking your shoes off because we were on holy ground. This service is our holy ground. This room has been dedicated to Jesus. This room, this, this is holy ground where we stand on. And everybody has a right to come into this room and feel the presence of God and be in his presence, in his holiest of holies. And that's, that's what Hebrews is telling us here. So let's go to verse 21. Because he's going to go on about some more of these promises. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house. So he's talking about Jesus here. Because we've been baptized in Jesus' name. We have a high priest. And he created the whole world. He didn't create part of it. He didn't give some of it to Satan. He rules over the whole world. And because of that, we... Are on, we're in, on his side. We've got the high priest on our side. The guy who created the whole world. The guy who made the holiest of holies. We have that access because we've been baptized in his name. So let us go right into the presence of God. With sincere hearts. Fully trusting him. We should be able to come here and worship God. The way we want. We should be able to enter into his presence. Because of what he did for us on Calvary. Because of him dying for our sins. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. So many times the devil wants to get your conscience. So many times the devil wants you to think that you're still not good enough. But that's not what it says here in Hebrews. He says your consciences have been sprinkled with the blood of Christ. So you shouldn't even feel bad no more. God should take all that out of you. God doesn't want us feeling bad. He doesn't want us walking around. I don't walk around feeling bad about what I did in my past. I would do it again. If I could do it over, I'd do it better. But I can't. I don't live in that because it was sprinkled with the blood of Christ. His blood was worth what I did. Like His blood is more valuable than any of the sin that I've ever committed. It wasn't a fair trade to begin with. It was never going to be. Christ knew that when he got himself into that. So all of us, oh, this is so good, guys. <laughs> I don't mean to pat myself on the back, but all of you guys have the right to come into this room and worship God with a free conscience. That's what the word of God gives you. <laughs> You've been baptized. You've chose Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Then nobody on this earth has a right to make you feel bad for coming into the house of God, lifting your hands and worshiping God. I remember when I finally made the decision to change my life, his dad, the pastor, came over and put his arm around me and he told me, he said, Dan, I don't care how much you drink on Saturday, I want you here every Sunday. Now, that might not have been a great thing to say to everybody. <laughs> but I knew what he meant. I knew what he meant. I knew he didn't really mean he didn't care how much I drank. I knew what he meant, that Dan had... Like it, so many times the devil tricks us that you've been too bad. You can't go to church on Wednesday now. You were out all week and now you're going to be a good guy. But if we don't go to church because of what I am. I go to church because of who he is. He paid for our sins. He sprinkled our conscience. He made it to where you have a right to walk into his church with your head held high as the child of the king. And nobody has a right to take that away from you. Right. Amen. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. Yes. Next scripture, next scripture. Let us hold tightly 
without wavering to this hope we affirm. So now he's telling you guys, I want you guys to hold tightly to what I just told you. I don't want you to forget about it in 10 years. When you're 22 and your life's crazy, I don't want you to forget about it. I want you to hold tightly to what you just heard, that you have a right to be in his presence, that you have a right to walk around with a clean conscience, that you have a right to worship the king of kings because this is what I was promised. So hold on to that hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promises. Now we talked about getting that Holy Ghost. That wasn't your, you didn't get the promise. Who gave you the promise? The Holy Ghost is a promise. He gave you this promise for you, for your children, to all who are far off. This is your promise. And God doesn't fail. His promises are true and amen. He's not going to break his own promise. So the promise that we receive when we get filled with the Holy Ghost, it's unbreakable. It's undeniable. God's callings are without repentance. That's the Bible scripture pastor loves to quote to us. Without repentance. So let us think. So now he goes, okay, so here we are. We all know this now. We're all saved, right? We don't have to worry about it no more. I ain't got to think about it. I ain't got to try and prove myself. I don't have a book or a list for you guys to try and live up to. If you guys have chose Jesus Christ your Savior, boom, you're in the kingdom. You've been baptized in his name, boom, you're a child of the king. There's nothing, anything else that we can do to that. Yes, there's a promise that I want everyone to achieve. We're going to pray for it. We're going to get you filled with the Holy Ghost any way we can. But that's a promise. That's not something you've got to strive for. So if we've already done this, what else do we do? And this is where he tells us some stuff that we should be focused on. I ain't, I'm not focusing on making it to heaven no more. I'm done with that. I got the Holy Ghost. I've been baptized. I've been plugged in. I got his name. I'm not worried about it no more. So what do I do? Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good work. That's my job now. That's my job now. I'm going to motivate you guys to acts of love and good works. I want to motivate you to get up here and sing. I want to motivate you to play the drums. I want to motivate you to do good things for God. Josh and Judah are in Mexico right now. I hope you guys are praying for them. They're in Mexico bringing school supplies to hungry, homeless children. To the house, the father's house. The house is it? Wait, that's not the father's house. That's Colombia. <laughs> I got my continents mixed up. No, but they're they're in Mexico. They're with Abba. They're with Abba, bringing school supplies to kids who are homeless. This is what the Church of God should be doing. This is what we should be doing. I'm not worried about your salvation no more. I'm going to encourage you to acts of love. Hey, can you can you witness to someone at your school? Do it. Do it, because that's a good work. That's an act of love. Hey, can, can you tell somebody? Can you pray for someone who's sick? Can, can, you, can you encourage someone that you see is down? Because those are what we should be doing. Encouraging us to acts of love. And guess what? Sometimes that looks crazy. Sometimes people think you're nuts. Candace got a call today from her sister. Someone got into a car accident, was on her way to the hospital named Nicole. So Candace's middle name is Nicole, if you don't know that. So her sister's like freaking out. She calls her up and she's like, are you okay? And Candy's like, yeah, it wasn't me. It was just some random person accidentally called her phone because they were in an accident. And it was a mix-up and they're on their way to the hospital. 
So Candy does the godly Christian thing, and she's like, let's pray for her. <laughs> and Adina's like, I'm at work <laughs> with all my coworkers right here, and I got you on speakerphone. Exactly, man. Exactly. That's what God's spirit. Candy was like, I don't care. We're praying for her. In Jesus' name, help this Nicole. I don't know where she's at. I don't know what she's going through, but you know the answer is God. You can help her out. That is a good act of love. I'm not here to judge people. I'm not here to decide who goes to heaven and hell. But I'm here to encourage people to acts of love and good works. And it's crazy sometimes. Candy looked crazy. Even her sister, who's been raised in church. Dina, it's like Mother Teresa. <laughs> but it's a little crazy sometimes. Like, we got everybody looking at me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a good godly thing. But I'm going to tell you what. We are stronger together. We are stronger together. Everywhere we go, there are Christians. Elijah said, there's no one left. I'm here by myself. Not that, Elijah. Another one. <laughs> I'm here by myself, God. I'm the only prophet left and they want to kill me. And God was like, nope, there's 400,000 prophets that have never bent a knee. Everywhere you go, God's got his children planted. You can find somebody who's going to stand up for what's right and believe the way you believe. There's people, and we are stronger together. Let's encourage one another. Stay strong. Stay strong in the faith. I don't, I don't care if your teacher tells you that there's no God. Their teacher's dumb. We're going to stand strong in the faith because I know the truth. I know what the Word of God says, and guess what? If we're all standing together, we're going to be pretty hard. We're going to be pretty hard to come against. We don't, we don't fight the way the world fights. We fight with love. But we do that through unity. And when we come together, we form a strong army that's unbreakable. So let's go to the last slide. I think it's the last slide. Yeah, Yeah, thank you. So this is important. Now he's told you all these other things, and he's like, all of this is important. But he says, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. There's some people who do. You're going to find some people who will tell you in your life, guess what? You don't need church to live good for Jesus. And you don't have to go to church every Sunday to have a relationship with God. Most of the time, those people are sinners. <laughs> you're right, you're right. But I got to live in repentance. I got to live in it. And the only way I'm going to do that is by plugging into a church that's going to remind me of the promises of the Word of God and keep me on the track that I need to be on. And I'm going to do that by not neglecting meeting together. I need to meet together. <clears throat> There's been several times in my life that I thought I had a really good idea. And I was like, this is going to be really smart. I'm going to try this. And it took several people in my life to go, hey, Dan, that's not a good idea, Dan. You should probably not do that. And I require having people around me to help me not make stupid mistakes in my life. We all do. That's why God made us the body. That's why he made us the body of Christ. He didn't make one person now the head of the church. But he made us all a body of Christ so that we can all help each other because we're all stronger together. So let's not neglect meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Sarah and Candy, if you'll come, this, this service is drawing near. This time, 
in this day and age that we live in, it is drawing near. We're seeing predictions of the Bible coming true. And I'm not trying to get you scared because I don't believe we go out in the bad foot. I believe we go out in victory. Amen. Christ is coming back for a beautiful, spotless bride. He's not coming back for a beat up church that barely survived. So we are going to thrive until that day of his return comes. Right. And I think that's why the devil tries to trick us so much. Because he wants you to think that the world's going to get real bad before he comes back. So you got plenty of time to live your life. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said in the end days, it'll be just like in the days of Noah. He said people will be buying and selling. People will be going to parties. People will be living life like normal right up until the end. And there are several people. We had our bishop with us a few weeks, a few months ago now. And he talked about end times. And he told us, guys, there's nothing that needs to be accomplished before the return of Jesus Christ. If God wanted to, he could split the sky and come back today. And guess what? I'm not saying that to put fear in you because you got a promise. Because you got a guarantee that when that sky splits, you're going on to glory. You're not being stuck in tribulations and crazy revelation stuff. We're going to be with the king. Let's all stand today. I can end this service right here. And I believe that you've heard a word from God. I believe you've learned about baptism, repentance, the Holy Spirit, about what we do as church, as believers. And you guys could leave here and you could go home and you could have a moment with God. And you and God could have this special little moment to yourselves. But everything I preached wouldn't be true and wouldn't be right if I didn't give everybody in this room an opportunity for you not just to have a small moment with God by yourself, but for us all to come together and be stronger in our walk with God together. So I've, I've pushed the chairs back. We're going to leave and push back like that because I want room at this altar for us to be able to find ourselves in the holiest of holies. So everybody, right now, if you feel comfortable, come forward. Come forward to this area. There's nothing special about it. It's just the holiest of holies. But the one thing that makes this special is that we're all coming together. We're all going to stand together today. And it's going to make all of us stronger. So as they sing this song today, as one body, as one group, with one mindset, one accord, Let's all lift our hands and close our eyes. And let's find ourselves in a moment with the King of Kings.